Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. Welcome to The Stack, a podcast about comics. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. Hey, I'm Pete. (laughs) On The Stack, we talk about a couple of comics that have come out this very day. We review them right in your ears. What, Justin? No, I just love your sing-songy cadence today. La, la, la. Alex is in love. I am. It's spring once again. I am out there in my tight T-shirts walking around looking to fall in love. I'm very excited. Exactly. Tight happen. T-shirts is obviously the outfit of love. Yes, it is. Uh, well, then I guess I'm in love every fucking day. <laughs> yeah, you are. Let's jump into it because there's lots of comic books to talk about. First one, Ghost Rider, number one from Marvel Comics. Whew. This is a new take on the spooky Ghost Rider, the spookiest motorcycle rider out there. The spooky motorcycle and Ooh. the Man atop it. (laughs) Uh, I would say I enjoyed this book quite a bit, just to jump right into it. But for me, the real star is Aaron Cooter. Aaron Cooter's art. Unbelievable. Like those big pages of like the bike and, oh, just fantastic. Dude can draw flames. He can. I... All of his stuff has been good. I never would have put him on a Ghost Rider book just based on the stuff that we've seen him on previously. But it's so much fun. The monsters oh, are so fun. So good. His Ghost Riders are so good. There's an image at the end of one of the Ghost Riders that's brilliantly done. Love it. What a pain to draw all those bones, but he does it. Yeah. He's got no bones with drawn bones. That's uh, what he likes to say. But I, I thought the story of this was great, too. We get to see Johnny Blaze and Danny Ketch, uh, the two uh, earlier Ghost Riders. Uh, the current one, obviously, uh, is drives a car, so he's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. Um, has different insurance, which is a big thing. Uh, sure. Uh, you know. That's a major plot on the issue. They lay out the different types of insurance you can have. I, you know, you know what? I'm sorry. I, I read an insurance pamphlet. I didn't, oh, yeah. I didn't they also have before. a lot of great flaming bone people in those insurance <laughs> pamphlets. <laughs> uh, that's my insurance place for you. So uh, the story of the book, there's a lot of stuff you actually, I think, need to know going into it because yes. there's a ton of continuity. Uh, but Johnny Blaze is the new king of hell. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's taken mm-hmm. over for Mephisto. He's being held in an evil casino in Vegas 
by Wong, the former assistant of Doctor Strange. And this is from a crossover event from like a while ago. Yeah. A sort of unheralded crossover. Right. Uh, so he's the new king of hell. There's, what I loved about this book is there's like 13 different setups for ideas for a Ghost Rider book in this first issue alone where... The initial setup is demons are kind of pissed off because Mephisto isn't around. Twelve of them escape, and Johnny Blaze heads to Earth and is like, come on, Danny Ketch, you got to help me catch these demons. That's a totally fine setup for a comic book, but it doesn't stop there. It throws in multiple enemies, plot lines, mysteries. This is packed. Packed. Uh, But also what I like is there's an underlying theme here that, like, you could be the king of hell, but if you go to Vegas and you can't pay, you know, your gambling debts, you're going to go to that creepy casino jail that they have there. When they say what happens in Vegas, <laughs> uh, uh, Jesus. I, had, I had a cheesy sandwich. From right a man list. singing to a man who <laughs> can barely speak. When they say uh, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, they mean you. Yeah. 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 They mean if. If the you happen himself. in Vegas, you'll stay in Vegas. Yes, yeah, exactly. If you happen in Vegas. Uh, great book. Definitely pick it up. Let's move on to Batman number 80 from DC Comics. After a long while away, Batman and Catwoman are finally Ooh. back in Gotham. <laughs> yes. They're taking the fight to Bane. Pete, Ooh. you seem moderately excited about this. This is what we've wanted. I mean, it's been fun to see Bat and Cat on vacation. Um but uh, you, you know, you guys were all over the Kite Man stuff. I think one of the best Kite Man moments in this uh, comic, which you know, really just pays off a long kind of like joke. But man, uh, this is great. I'm still nervous to see what happens, but oh, this is so great to see him get back into action. Uh, I, I got to say, the Kite Man stuff feels like we're hitting in a lot. Just yes. as a joke. I and agree. I say rest the It's Titan. weird that you liked it, Pete. I mean, I know you've been pretty into it all along. I feel like it was a little much, frankly. Yeah. Wow. Fuck both of you. That was <laughs> fucking great. Yeah. It uh, it's fun. Um, but this is great. You know what I thought was weird? So we see uh, two characters. Uh, one looks like Two-Face. Yeah. And they're in cop uniforms. Right. And come to find out, it is Mr. Pig and Two-Face. Yeah. Yeah. Why? What do you mean? They set that up earlier. No, I know, but I just think it's weird that they would wear police uniforms. They might think it's funny. Yeah. I guess. I, I don't know. I think the whole thing, the everything. fact that you're a villain and then you get to wear a cop uniform is kind of great. It's Yeah, no, I, I'm, this isn't a big criticism, but I just thought, I was like, oh, it's cool. Like, people in Gotham City who have embraced this criminal lifestyle, they started to, like, actually change their bodies. And, like, a two-faced henchman actually has a two-faced scarred face, and they're wearing Professor Pigman. So I had this whole other idea built up around it and then they were like nope it's actually those two yeah, random no, no. The, what Pete said they set up that yeah. it is a no, mockery I... of everything about Gotham where they're pretending to be these upstanding citizens but really doing even more fucked up things than they did before. I yeah. just think Two-Face had a little bit more, would have a little bit more respect and wouldn't be like okay I'll go wear a regular He used to be the DA. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying he would wear a suit. Oh yeah. It what? is weird that they didn't make him the DA. That would make so much sense. <laughs> yes. He actually has experience with it. Uh, this issue is great. It's so satisfying to see them oh back. My God, yes. Definitely gives me a hint. Uh, we were talking about this, I believe, in our Patreon Slack a little bit. Uh, the idea that Alfred is not dead, was yes. not actually killed by Bane. There's a little bit of a hint that Batman might be ahead of everything the entire time at this point. Pretty surprising move from Batman, who's usually very behind the ball as a character. 
so it's nice to see him uh, planning things for once. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah dude, I mean, he finally got his really shit together. Revealed anything? I mean, this uh, you know, it's Batman just kind of getting back into things. So we still don't know what's kind of going on with Alfred yet. But yeah. uh, that's you, what yeah. I'm cautious about right yeah, now. Yeah, you want him to be dead. And he no, can fuck move on you. To, I oh. don't want him to be dead. But, but we saw him die. Yeah. But I don't, want, I don't want that to be real. I want that to be something else. Well, it's real. This comic The other real. day, I tried to bring Pete some bouillabaisse, and he just knocked the tray right out of my hand. I was like, fuck butlers. Wow. Yeah. Fucklers, he said. Wow. That's so much wasted bouillabaisse. A lot of different <laughs> types of seafood in that dish. <laughs> well, you know what? You shouldn't have a butler. You should make your own food. Uh, I thought this was great. This is a fun. You should make your own food. Oh, that's right. Everyone should make their own food. Yeah. So you don't like restaurants either. <laughs> well, no. You can go to a restaurant. That oh, way you can. It's right. equal trade. You're paying someone for food. But right. I feel like but I will trade. say I took Pete out to a restaurant the other night, and he went to the kitchen and made his own food. That's right. <laughs> that's cool. Bold. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, Mr. LePage is here. Please. Uh, enter <laughs> well, the kitchen. Well, well. Uh, please bake your own potatoes, sir. a four Michelin tire chef. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was it like walking into the kitchen at a subway and making your own food. <laughs> yeah, I'm an artist, bro. You don't go to other restaurants, right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, great. Glass we covered. He certainly did paint the walls with mes- mustard and ketchup, I yeah. will say. That's, uh, he's an artist. He's like the Swedish chef, but he speaks <laughs> regular English. Uh, uh, this book is great. It's like the, the heroes have come home. They're ty- it's already getting ready to fight it out. Oh, man. Really fun stuff. What do we have? Five more issues? I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Oh, uh, leading up to uh, when Tom King leaves the book to move over to his Batman and Catwoman series. That's great. I also, one last thing I'll mention, I love the hush moment when they face off with each other. Yeah. So much fun. So well staged in Very that scene. Wonderful. And amazing to bring in John Romita Jr. and Klaus Jansen on this title now. Mm-hmm. It Not that there was anything wrong with Clay Mann, and Clay Mann is uh, utterly fantastic, but there's something about the weight of having them as artists on a book that makes it feel that much more epic. Well, I thought I think Clay Mann like writes vacation or draws uh, vacation stuff like island living. I feel like that he's so good at that. Uh, couples, and then you bring in the superhero heavy hitters to do the superhero stuff. Yeah, it's now, great. I was a little confused reading it because like we had uh, Batman's evil dad in the about. Uh, Batman costume, and then we actually had Batman in the Batman costume. And at first, I thought it was Batman's dad, but then uh, I realized what different was costumes. Uh, yeah, yeah, different costumes. Yeah, yeah, different guys. It's like Halloween; like not everyone wearing a ghost costume. It's different costumes, right? And you got to be careful about that because normally, you know, I like to shoot ghosts, so you got to be careful. <laughs> Jesus, <Wow. laughs> shoot ghosts. Okay, a lot of, a lot no, of dead kids around. Pete. Yeah, no <laughs> follow-up questions to yeah. Pete's statement. We learned a lot about Pete in this review of Batman. Let's move on to another Marvel comic book. Let's get into it, guys. I know how Pete is going to feel about this yes. one. House of X. Wow, right out of the number box. Number six, right out of the I box. We're going oh, with man. it. Here we go. So we're going to have a reasonable discussion about this, right, Pete? No, not with this issue. Nope. You're done. Yep. Uh, so we are two issues before the end here. There's House of X, number six, which wraps up the House of X series. Then there's Powers of Ten, number six, which wraps that up. And then we are fully into the reboot of the X-Men, the new status quo. This one is the literal table-setting issue where we get to see, okay, now that the X-Men have established Krakoa, now that they're their own island nation, now that they've brought in all the villains under their folds, 
what happens next? How do they move forward? And we got a tease in the last issue of this about the table, the what is it called? Uh, the circle? The Quiet Council. The Quiet Council, uh, who uh, makes the rulings for all of mutant kind, uh, and we get to see them in action this issue and pass their first judgment. Big things happen in this issue. Let's go to Justin first, because Great I choice. imagine Pete is going to be a lot of screaming. This comic is so smartly done. Uh, I think Hickman is able to just position all these characters uh, in a in a place that we uh, that is totally new while also bringing in the very uh, faithful versions of all these characters and pitting them against each other while they're also pulling in the same direction, if that makes sense. And uh, I love this. We uh, there's there are twelve uh, characters that sit on the the council, the quiet council. Uh, only what six, five of them are heroes. Six of them, you could say, if that. Yeah. yeah. And then you have a, like a lot of this, the heavy hitter villains. Apocalypse is on the same bench as Professor X and Magneto, which is like sort of the heavy hitters. And we got to see him put the lollipop helmet on. You get to see him. Uh, and uh, of note, you don't get to see Professor X's face in this issue. And what is that about? Is what's he hiding? A pimple? Uh, I I took it as. Professor, this is Professor X. We're not supposed to know him anymore, know his face. You don't this look is, at the face of God? Well, y- y- maybe. I mean, that, maybe that is the theme that they're going for. But I think it's more just like, no, Lollipop Head is who he is at this point. So what he used to look like doesn't matter anymore. It does feel like he is become, he's become this religious figure. He's founding their land. He's, beyond, he's become a myth. And so we don't actually take I him think, in in the same way we take in the other character. Even Magneto, who's like his right-hand man, and but also I feel like in this issue specifically, you see that the philosophy of Krakoa and the X-Men canon going forward is a synthesis of Magneto and Professor X's takes on mutant kind. Do you think that? Because what I took away from this issue is he not wholly but has very much adopted Magneto's viewpoint. Yeah, well, I feel like it's an evil uh, Professor Xavier. Like, they... Bread and evil egg of gold balls or whatever the fuck they do. <laughs> and we got an evil Professor Xavier because he very much just gives up on his fucking dream uh, and buys his way to, uh, wow. you know, get his own island. I don't know. The dream he gives a shitty fucking speech about being like, all right, you know what? There's a right way to do things and I'm not doing that. I'm going to just fucking... Uh, uh, fuck everybody and mutants. Uh. But to take the side of the X-Men, which I feel like makes a lot of sense, is the dream is a lie because they've... The humans Did have you say ne- a, a lie a or li- alive? A lie. Okay. And this, that's what Professor X says. They, they've tried to coexist with humans forever, and they've only been punished more and more. 60 million of their fellow yeah, mutants have been killed. Like, of course, they need to have a strong stance. They need to protect themselves. And that's what he's doing. He's like, he's a, re- he's a pragmatist. He's a realist. He's finally saying, like, fuck this. Yeah, we but- need to protect ourselves, and we need to gather the table against uh, the larger world. But that's the thing. It's like, who is this guy who all of a sudden just like uh, gives up on his fucking dream? He doesn't give up on it. That's why I'm saying it's a combination because it's not Magneto's idea of like, uh, let's dominate the humans no matter what. It's we don't kill humans. And that's the three rules are make more mutants, which is like, fuck a lot. Yeah. So I, I think we're, it's not we're, fucking Kurt your Nightcrawler is all up at that. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> it is your religious duty to please this booty. Oh, bamf, bamf, bamf. 
It's uh, they're not fucking though. It's just like they're sprinkling no, they're stuff still, over gold they're balls. They're still fucking a lot. Yeah, that's obvious in the issue. If you translate the Krakoa stuff, it's a lot of like real pervy shit. <laughs> uh, make more mutants, murder no man, protect the sacred land. Yeah, and there's another plus underneath. The, in the if you notice in the book, there was another plus underneath the protect uh, protect the sacred land. So there's maybe a fourth rule. That's of. no, that's a plug for Disney Plus, which is oh. coming out November 12th. <laughs> oh, wow, wow, man, they put you. those everywhere. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, this is a very disturbing issue to read yes. as an X Men fan. I think intellectually. I understand, and we've talked about this before with the series, that you can read into it a lot of uh, marginalized members of society. Certainly, and again, I've mentioned this before, but as a Jew, it is impossible for me to read that be like, 16 million of our people died. We are creating our own homeland. (laughs) I thought we could coexist. Instead, let's break off, and we will provide you goods and services. That's Israel. And that worked (laughs) out fine with no controversies. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) But uh, they're saying, I think there are going to be plenty of controversies. We've already speculated there's going to be some sort of World War X type thing coming up at some point because there's so many major Marvel factions who are allied against them at this point. Um, so that's going to happen. And that's also that was part of the founding of Israel. They were like, hey, we're taking this land. We're going to be the state. And all the states around them were like, cool, we're going to fuck you yeah. up. Uh, and then they had to prove their military might for people to back off enough for there to be a stalemate. So I think... Again, I don't know if we're going to see that one-to-one, but I do think we're going to see something like that. <laughs> It'd be because, crazy if it was one-to-one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that said, as from an X-Men perspective, I feel what Pete is feeling, particularly with this issue, when you sit down with a council, and like you said, Justin, most of them being the worst villains the X-Men ever faced, why are we listening to these people? Yeah. Be- I, because they're coming to the table... They're getting something important here, and they have to play by the rules. Now that Professor X has their literal resurrection in his hands, and he has that power, like they're leashed by that. So, like, yeah. it, it makes a lot of sense. And now they don't have to worry about policing other mutants out in the rest of the world because everyone's at the table with them. So they can have these great debates in that hall, but they don't have to go out and contradict right. themselves in front of the um, the human population that they're saying, "Hey, we're the future." Yeah, but great debates. That was not a great debate. It was a bunch of... What they did to Sabretooth? Yeah, that was... And I hate Sabretooth, but I was really feeling for Sabretooth in this. And I hope he does get to murder all of them on that freaking (laughs) dais. Even Nightcrawler? Jean Grey? Yeah. There are... uh, It's comics, right? They're cyclical. Even if this status quo lasts for a very long time, it's not going to last forever. There are so many things that can go completely wrong with this. And I do think they are actually going to leave it this way for a very long time as they are getting used to it, as they are getting us as readers used to it. But comics have trained us to know that if you bring Mr. Sinister or any villain of that caliber in, they're going to be like, yes, I'm teaming up with you. And on the side, I have this plan to totally fuck up your shit and yep. take over. Yeah, exactly. Apocalypse seems definitely brooding a lot. Like Dude, he, I yes. was the only one, like, I was agreeing with Apocalypse. He's just sitting off to the side like, what are we celebrating right now? This is fucking fucked up what we're doing. I love this. I love everything yeah. about this. You got Mr. Sinister, Exodus, Mystique. Mr. Sinister is like, 
just goofy, just having some fun. Yeah, love uh, Jonathan Hickman's Mr. Sinister is so good. Very cool. Uh, the one mystery we don't know who the Red King is, right. who sits yeah, with Sebastian Shaw and Emma Frost. I don't know, Red. I mean, it could be Nightcrawler's father, right? Whatever his name is. I, the, the fact that they're withholding it makes me feel like it's a larger character than that. Yeah. Um, unless we're pinning so much of this story on Nightcrawler, which doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I even were like, well, let's get into it. Let's see what Nightcrawler feels about. And Nightcrawler's like, eh, fuck it. Let's, let's get evil as fuck right now. Let's go for it. I have a big question for you guys. Uh-huh. Okay. Can Krakoa make six packs? Of beer? Of beer. Because Wolverine had a six-pack yeah. of beer. And I'm like, where'd you get that from? Where'd you get that from, You're not making that on that right? island. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be a craft brewery. Let's check the map at the end. Yeah, there's there's a rundown of places. They have the arena, which we haven't seen yet. There's the Red Palace. There's the brewery. And there's a couple of other places. The water park. They have the water park, of it's course. Pro- I hope there's a bowling alley and some... Maybe a of course pack. there's a bowling alley. Definitely. Yeah, yes. Bumper He's- bowling. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, just got to practice. You don't want to. Also, another thing about that six pack that is not enough to share with the entire island nation of Krakoa, and that was rude of Wolverine. And I really didn't like him in that sequence. I feel like I, I know the six pack seems really important, but there's probably more than the, just the one. I just I ignoring everything else that happened in the issue. I really want to delve into what the six pack means. <laughs> well, let me let's get into this scene because it's actually I think very yes, telling. It is. I actually. loved this sequence. This two pages. Nope. You got uh, everyone's partying. It's very Ewok celebration at the end of Jedi. What, um, dude? They, they, a lot of yub dub. That's a real <laughs> celebration. This is really. <laughs> oh, wow, Pete's. Choosing the Ewoks over the X Men. Yeah, that's right, man. Truly, if you, I were- want to back up and talk about the fact that like we got to see other heroes like hearing this bullshit announcement, and it's going to be very interesting to see how other you know heroes who aren't mutants react to this in the Marvel universe. Yeah, that yeah. ending it was a real Bill and Ted's bogus journey ending type thing, right? <laughs> when sure. they play "God Gave Rock and Roll to You." Okay. And they unite the entire world with their music. Yeah. Wild silence. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be... I think this issue establishes our baseline. Yes. Powers of X establishes the threat to yes. the X-Men. Totally it's- agree on that. And to your point, the Yub-Nub celebration, what was so great about that uh, is everybody's passing along these beers and they're settling old grudges. You um, have Wolverine... No, you don't think so? They are not settling grudges. They are. These are the cracks... Within the going really? forward, no. I think it's very uncomfortable to see that thing where it was like uh, Wolverine and Cyclops, like buddy, buddy. That was they're just, settling it. They're settling it. He's being like, worthy. "I'm cool with you and Gene." If you have six beers on an island and you give somebody your beer, that means something. Reread this; these two pages because it's uh, Wolverine and Cyclops and Gene hugging. They're drinking beers. Wolverine walks off. A couple panels later, we get Gene side eye smirk like. I like that dude. And at a second later, you get Gene uh, uh, sharing a beer with White Queen. No, no, no. And then she... White Queen looking beyond Gene to Cyclops. She is handing the beer. She side-eyes. She sees White Queen there and hands her the beer. The side-eye panel after that is White Queen looking over Gene's shoulder 
at Cyclops. Do you yeah. think that no, they're all going to fuck? Or? I think it's going. I think these are the love triangles. I we're think be the with. white queen. I love is, it. It's a quad. It's a love diamond. I think the white queen is looking past that because instead of the six pack, there's some white claws there, and she's clearly she's a white like, claw. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a short of a shortage of white claws. In the world, I think these are the these are the cracks within the, this little group. Right, here. Interesting. Well, I'll have to see what happens. Uh, do you think Sabretooth is going to make his way out of the center of the yes. earth? Yes. <laughs> uh, even the it's way it's going to be glorious, and I want it to happen. Even the way he says it, Professor X says it is like maybe you have a chance someday to prove yourself back. And it's like, oh, they're going to deploy him to do something fucked up. Yeah. Because I th- one thing I like about this is like being a nation is much harder than being a school. So, like, they're going to have to make some difficult choices, and I think they're going to end up you having think, to compromise their beliefs a little bit. You think they sat around, like, in the Marvel office, like, all right, what's harder than a school? A nation. All right, that's the next thing. X-Men are now, yeah. instead of running yeah, schools. Yeah, there's no steps in between a yeah. school and a nation. So that's they right. figured it out. Let's move on to a similarly complicated book, WWE SmackDown 20th Anniversary Number 1 for Boob Studios. Uh, once again, I don't really know anything about wrestling, but I enjoyed this book. Yeah, it was fun. So the big move here is uh, SmackDown is going to uh, Friday nights on Fox. So okay. that's what this that's the whole that's what this is about the, the story. Yes. Okay. I didn't uh, get any of that. Um, yeah, I, I think it shows because you don't you're not a wrestling fan. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, this is following. I want to say Becky Lynch. Why? Why is that a big deal? Because uh, it's going from being on a cable network to being on a network television. Oh, wow. So it's, it's yeah. a big move for them. And so this is like celebrating the old guard, the new guard. And uh, I thought it was cute and fun. Yeah. I really enjoy these books. I, I don't know a lot about wrestlers either, uh, except for their programming schedule, obviously. Yeah, I was uh, say. <laughs> but, um, I, so I didn't know a ton of the characters. But yeah, it was a nice read, well drawn. There was, uh, along with the Becky Lynch storyline, there's one focusing on the three dudes who dance and are funny, and I don't remember what their name is, uh, but I've seen them around a lot, and that was cute and fun. It's about them trying to get there in time. They cook pancakes on their car. It's just enjoyable. It's a very silly, fun book. It has a good time with the wrestlers. Uh, I liked it. Yeah, me too. Let's move on to another DC comic, Legion of Superheroes Millennium Number 2. Now. do you think that I thought it was supposed to be Willennium? Yes, it is. It's okay. Willennium, right. and that's why they head to the wild, wild west. Right. Uh, that's right. why there's some big Willie Styles. <sighs> oh, wow, that made you so wow. excited. I just fell asleep right there. Wow. The, I, I, I was pretty open about not loving the first issue of this book. It followed Rose and Thorn through the different eras of the DC future. I certainly felt like, okay, where's the Legion of Superheroes? What's going on here? What is this book? Um, but having gone through that first issue and having a better expectation of what was going to happen to the second issue, I enjoyed it a lot more and got very excited about where they're headed by the end. How did you all think about it? I love the when we finally get to see the Legion, I love it. Like, yeah, the, it's interesting. I feel like Bendis is he's really setting the table here by showing so much uh, leading up to it. All the different eras. Maybe he's going to touch on these eras a little bit or just showing the breadth of DC's uh, time. The yeah. way their sort of far future stuff goes. But I'm so excited to see all the different Legion uh, members of the Legion. Yeah, I think uh, what I took away from it is he's not just synthesizing every era of the DC future, because with any publisher that's run as long as DC Comics, most of it isn't going to make sense when you actually lay it out like that. He's not necessarily trying to make sense of it so much as show you it in order. 
What I think it also very clearly shows is here's how fucked up the Earth has gotten multiple times. Yeah. This is why the Legion of Superheroes is important. Yeah. And that's what we get, as well as a tease for what's going to happen in the ongoing series. And that there's a, a great darkness, but there's also this bright spot. Because I think the Legion has always been about this bright spot in the far future. I love the Booster Gold sort of uh, origin so moments. Fun. Very fun. And then just getting to that double page spread. I hope it just picks up right in this moment uh, for Legion of Superheroes 1. I think it does a good job of like getting you excited for what's ahead. I think it kind of had a little bit of a slow kind of start, but by the end of it, it really kind of is like, all right, now moving forward, this is what's going to happen. Let's talk about another Marvel comic book, Contagion number one. This is one of these new kind of miniseries that they've been doing at Marvel where uh, every issue focuses on a different team, a different set of characters, and they pick up after that plot line. Uh, This one, the Fantastic Four encounter the contagion of the title that seems to be taking over people's minds. It also introduces a new villain. What do you think about this? Uh, it's fun. I, I liked the different characters we see, and I'm curious to see uh, uh, them come together uh, in this. Like, I love, uh, we got some Iron Fist at the end. He's going to be a part of it. Uh, the Thing is a big main character here. Yeah, I, cool. I love the shout out to the Yancey Street Gang and the way it kind of starts. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, and what's great is it's, uh, it's kind of st- uh, spreading fast, so it kind of really ramps up the action and tension. So, I think it's a cool kind of like start for this event. I'm excited to see how it unfolds. I liked it too. And I do wonder how much this book and other books like this are part of the Immortal Hulk effect. Because Immortal Hulk has sold so well, it's really opened the gates for doing more body horror type things. Um, I don't know necessarily if Donny Cates' Venom and Absolute Carnage are an effect of that. Uh, Potentially, this certainly feels like, cool, now that Immortal Hulk has worked, we can really fuck people up with glowing green bubbles on them and stuff. Well, and just horror in general, not yeah. necessarily just body horror. <laughs> yeah, I don't just think body horror. Like, I love the Hulk. I love his way his body's a mess. <laughs> I mean, maybe. It could, I mean, it could They're be. kind of like it. It could be. Fair surface take of like, eh, make him all, make him have like nine faces. Yeah, or whatever. I don't know. I'm going home for the day. I'm yeah. off at Subway. Uh, Black Hammer, Justice League, Hammer of Justice number four. This is coming out October 9th from Dark Horse Comics. Man, this title is a blast. It's so good. Fun crossover. It really, you really get to see the Justice League in a new, from a new uh, point of view of these heroes that are like, uh, we're sort of shitty. <laughs> we're bad <laughs> at this. Uh, but they have such interesting character takes, sort of like the Doom Patrol um, if they were the Justice League. Yeah, it's also, without getting too much into spoilers, this issue in particular is hooked on a big emotional decision for one of the members of the Black Hammer team. Yeah. And I like that quite a bit. I think that's a smart decision to hook it on them versus hooking it on the Justice League. Uh, I, I like this crossover a lot. Yeah, and I also really like the fact of, like, it kind of puts this whole thing of like putting these people in this weird position and how like, you know, fighting's not going to help this. They need to talk, but it's like you have all these heroes who are too amped up from all the events that are happening that, uh, you know, it's hard to stop every different person. So it's kind of interesting, this whole like fish out of water thing with the two different teams. And it's going to be really cool to see how they fix this and put it back together. You put it back in water. That's how you get a fix a fish out of water. Oh, you put it back in the water. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. It's right in the name. Yes. You should check out my book, How to Fix a Fish. Wow. How to Fix a Fish. <laughs> Is it going to be like one of those Jimmy Fallon books where it's just a couple words but mostly pictures? Yeah, Whoa, like, take down. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Fallon, he use more to words. podcast all the time. He's constantly slacking me on the Patreon Slack. Sure, sure. He pledges $2 a month. I can just see Pete reading the book and being like tossing it into the trash. Also, this is the first time I've ever heard you slam something because it didn't have enough words. That's a good point. Yeah, you're right. Really off-brand. Off-brand, yeah. Exactly. Man, I'm going to have a slapping contest with you. Is that what he does? Who? Jimmy Fallon, he has like a slapping contest. with. Yeah, Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Moving on to another book, Nomen Omen, number one, Pete. Nomen Omen. <laughs> That's what I, I love the way for. you said that. Nomen Omen, pizza showman. What do you say, Whoa. my friend? Uh, well, first off, uh, I really love the art on this. It's kind of an interesting, weird world. Uh, you know, it starts off with the old creepy mirror guy. Never a good sign, you know, when somebody's watching you through the mirrors. Uh, but yeah, I think this is like a, it's a f- good first issue where it kind of sets up this world and then kind of lets you know the stakes. Uh, I think it does a great job of like really fleshing out some characters before we get into all the action. So let, let me run the plot by you and let me see if I got it because I wasn't 100% sure. I, there's two girls, they're on a road trip, they hit somebody or they stop for a car wreck. They, st- right. they see a car accident. They see a car Mostly accident. Mostly apples. A lot hurt. of apples. A lot of apples. They try to help the girl. The girl impregnates one of them, and then years later, that daughter gets attacked. Is that correct? Yes, that yeah, is why, correct. why is that hard to follow? Um, I don't know, just because... No, it, I, I hear you, though. No, it's, you sort of... You get that story from the picture wall that uh, you see in the middle of the right. issue. So it's not explicitly told. But I love this book. I feel like it does such a good job of setting up the world without it being super expositional. Uh, and I'm really interested with what's happening. There's a big thing that happens in the at the end of the, the first issue that I was like, whoa, that seems intense yeah. for the main characters. It's definitely a different sort of magical world than we're used to in comic books. And I think it'll be interesting to follow it along. But what sucks is, uh, you know, it's very anti-Apple. I mean, uh, you own stock, right? Yeah, but I'm just saying that, like, you know, all those apples, uh, nobody cared. Yeah, you, know, you were, they were really worried about the people inside the car, but nobody gave a shit about all those apples. You were an early, like, back when Apple started, it was you, Tim Cook, a couple other people, <laughs> and then you got out because yeah. you were like... I I do my own stuff. I cook my own food. Fuck computers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you were like, I'll count up my yeah, own things. I remember you in your. I was reading your autobiography, which is lovely, by the way. Thank you. And I remember uh, there's this section where Pete talks about at the dawn of the iPod, where they're like, "What if we had a music player that people could take home?" And Pete was like, "What if I had an Apple Pie?" Yeah. He was like, "I'm happy with my record player." I'm see you later. <laughs> Goodbye. Well, my the computer company. The kind of kick in the nuts was I I left because they had an apple on my table. I took one bite out of it and was like, "Suck on that, guys!" And then I left. And they used that as the you know the logo. So the apple logo is a fuck you to, yeah, yeah, to be exactly. the page. Oh, that. I thought you were going to say they used that as a tagline. Apple, <laughs> suck on that, guys. 
<laughs> I mean, both are valid. Yes. Uh, that is sort of the Apple take. Let's move over to another DC comic book, The Green Lantern, number 12. Uh, this is the last issue for now of Grant Morrison's take on Green Lantern. He's going to be moving over to another book called Black Stars and then coming back for Green Lantern season two next year. First of all, I just want to say, maybe this is my bubble, but it's crazy to me that Grant Morrison is writing a Green Lantern title and nobody is talking about it. I was planning on saying the exact same thing. It's been going for so long. It's crazy. Every issue is like perfect Grant Morrison stuff. No one cares. Right. Why is that? Uh, Are we over him? I I don't know. He was the fucking guy. Grant Morrison was like all the final crisis, all that. And this is like just more of that. And it's good Grant Morrison stuff. Like how Jordan's fighting an anti uh, matter version of himself. Who talks backwards. Who talks backwards. Very hard to read. Uh, the whole thing is, uh, it's so over the play for Graham Morrison. Yeah, but it's Green Lantern, so nobody cares. I, Green <gasps> Lantern was very popular. Yeah, for a while. And the last couple of runs, Robert Vendetti's run on the book was real good on Green Lantern. Uh, Jeff Johns, of course, rejuvenated Green Lantern for a new generation. Uh, this is getting away from all the Spectrum stuff, which is actually very refreshing. I yes. think we've I think hung on that too long. Agreed. We need a break from adding the Indigo. I, I think... It's because it feels like it's out of continuity. It's not. It's in continuity. But there's so much dense stuff that's happening everywhere else in the DC universe where everything that's going on with Batman feels vital. Everything that's going on with Superman feels vital. All the Justice League stuff is very tied together and all of the things spinning out of there. But the Green Lantern thing, it feels like, I don't know how this connects to anything else that's going on. Grant Morrison is just doing sort of thing. Maybe Grant Morrison himself is out of continuity. Maybe. Uh, But versus Batman and Robin, which was leading the charge for everything that was going on in D.C., everybody was trying to catch up. This is in its own pocket somewhere else, and that might be part of the reason. Yeah. Uh, But that all said, this book is banana pads. Uh, It uses absolutely everything... From Green Lantern continuity of one issue, even if you haven't picked up the previous ones, you could jump right into this and be like, yes, I'm confused because it's Grant Morrison, but it's a good kind of confused. Yep, agreed. Yeah, and the visuals also gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. It feels like a book out of the 70s or early 80s to me a little bit. Yeah. Moving on to a Marvel comic book, Spider-Verse number one. This is not exactly into the Spider-Verse, but it is hooking on Miles Morales. He gets dragged through the Spider-Multiverse to fight a new threat to the Web of Destiny. Um, I thought this was super fun. I'm very excited about this book. How did you guys feel? Yeah, I just want to read this one line from it. I'm nanocasting through your arachno frequency to lock your ultraspatial coordinates. And that feels like a good encapsulation of what this book is. It's like, buckle up. We're going to yank you through comic book continuity in a wild way. Yeah. There's uh, Mad Max Fury Road Spider-Man. There's Spider-Punk. There's a monster Monster, Spider-Man. Love all that stuff. What did you think about it, Pete? Well, it's just kind of like a fun romp, uh, kind of like through weird worlds. Um, at first, it was like he was being dragged by his web, but that gave way, and then it was like frequency-based, so it was a little weird. But they did have fun with him blipping out, which I kind of liked. I thought that was a fun joke uh, that kind of kept going. And I don't know, the art and the different worlds, it's always fun to see like what they're going to do when he goes to a different world. So it was a fun idea i don't 
know if it, like how long it can continue, but I think the, like the idea that they're kind of having fun with this is a great idea, and uh, yeah, I, I'm on board with it. It essentially feels like Exiles, except with Spider-Man characters, and yeah. I'm into that. I do wish, to your point, Pete, that the issue had spent a little less time on showing us other universes and instead setting up the concept of the book and the right. team that we we're going to see, mm. um, because we only barely got a little bit of that at the end. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is, I mean, it feels very spinning out of the Madam Web uh, side of the Spider-Man mythos. Is this setting up the movie the, ever, that everyone's clamoring for? I don't think it's setting up the Madam Web movie. I think, if anything, it's riffing off into the Spider-Verse, but very much later. <laughs> yeah, deep riff. Yeah. But you were excited for Madam Web, the movie, right? Uh, my favorite character. Yeah. Wow. Pete? I hope they cast Jessica Lange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Copra, number one. This is, I believe, from Image Comic Books. Yes. This book is wild. What did you guys think about it? First off, how is this legal? Wait, what, what do you mean? mean? There is a clear Punisher ripoff in this that's a robot that was, like, basically wearing the Punisher costume, older one, but, like, how is that legal? Uh, parody rights. Okay. Also, like... Just because he has a gun and like a tight T-shirt, it, it, and with the it, 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 skull in the middle of his chest, and he did say, "I'm the Punisher, Frank Castle yeah. from Marvel Comics," right in the middle there. P- Pete, you're breaking the Punisher copyright by having a skull inside your <laughs> fucking head. <laughs> That's not true. Yeah. Oh yeah. Marvel's yeah. Marvel owns that shit. That's not true. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yes, they it copyrighted is. it, and I'm full of spiders. That's true. <laughs> He's Spider Man. Yeah. How about you? Um, I'm original. Oh, I'm oh. IP. I'm my own IP. Oh, <laughs> oh nice. wow. Oh, I uh, hope you get picked up soon. <laughs> me too. Oh, I'm dying for it. Um, this is fun. This reminds me of like uh, comics like uh, uh, Concrete. Feels like uh, very independent, uh, but really deep superhero takes. I love reading all the backstory stuff. I haven't read the Copra. There's been multiple volumes, like. 30 or so issues that came out before um, the catch up on that. This feels like something you would like, Pete. Yeah, I mean, I, I do like it. I was just a little thrown by the robot Punisher in the middle of it. But uh, over other than that, if you can get past that part, like <laughs> it's very creative. Uh, it's got a cool feel to it. And uh, I like the fact that like it, there's a lot of fun moving parts. Yeah. Last one we're going to talk about, Strange Skies Over East Berlin, number one. Uh, This is a fascinating book, pivoting off of the Berlin Wall, but working in weird mysteries throughout and getting it deeper and deeper as it goes. How'd you feel about this issue? I thought it was, like, pretty intense, uh, but also amazing art. Uh, It's kind of a crazy story. It's a lot going on. But I like the stakes that it sets up, and it's I'm definitely hooked, and I want to see what happens. I was surprised it takes place on the East Berlin side. So it's in the communist side, uh, something bad. It feels like an X-Files episode. Yeah. Something bad happens with um, someone who's struggling with the idea that he wants to be a good guy, but he's working for the bad guys. He's like a spy. Uh, and... Uh, it's. I'm. I'm curious to see where it's going to go. They're. They have to go into quarantine. Um, yeah, it definitely feels like a B grade horror movie, which is what I think it's going for with something a little deeper in terms of the thematic residence, uh, which I like quite a bit. Uh, I, I think it'll be an interesting one to read. I'm hesitant to recommend it right now because I do wonder if it's going to play better in trade. Uh, but right now, mm. I thought it was a very cool first issue. Yeah. 
If you'd like to support our show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We'll chat with you about comical books. Pete, what do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live and follow Peter on the city as he shatters the kitchen doorways into any restaurant he wants. <laughs> Check us out at comicbookclublive.com. Subscribe and comment on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Android, or the platform of your choice. And we'll see you at the comic book shop. Bye. Watch your skull, Pete. Don't go